Hello and welcome to Intelligence Talks. I'm your host, Anna Ward. Today, I'm joined by a team of researchers from Knight Frank across residential and commercial, and we'll be sharing our predictions for 2024 in two parts. So first of all, we'll have a UK outlook for you, and then we'll move on to a more global perspective. First up, we'll have Tom Bill, Head of UK Residential Research. We also have Shabab Qadar, London Research Partner, and Flora Harley is with us too, Head of ESG Research. Hi, Tom, Shabab, and Flora. Hi, Anna. Hi, Anna. Hi, Anna. So guys, to kick things off, I'm going to come to each of you and ask uh, for your top prediction for UK property next year. Uh, Tom, to pick on you first, obviously, we've seen a lot of volatility in the UK residential market this year. So I'd be intrigued to know what your key forecast is for next year. Well, it's a slightly dull one on the face of it. I think there's going to be a noticeable um, spring bounce in the property market in, in a way that we didn't have one this year in the autumn. I think there's probably several reasons for that. I think the Bank of England appear to be getting closer to the end in terms of their recent cycle of rate hikes. Inflation is now under 5%. Five-year fixed rate mortgages are falling closer towards 4.5%. So all the numbers are getting slightly less scary. I think we also have the fact that the government appears to want to give time for ta- for tax cuts that have announced last week in the autumn budget and potentially future ones in March next year to kick in. So they're potentially going later in the year in terms of the general election that takes place. And so I think all of that points to that more settled economic outlook in the early part of next year. The fact that there more than likely won't be a general election called in the early part of next year all of that points towards, I think, a more recognisable spring market for, for the UK property market next year. Okay, so a bit more of a return to normality. Shabab, in the office sector, obviously Tom's talking about a sort of reduction in pressure on, on residential, but clearly there's still quite a lot of headlines around outdated offices, pressure to meet looming energy efficiency deadlines, that kind of thing. What's your sort of top prediction for London offices next year? I think we shouldn't shy away from the fact that there have been some warning lights flashing around the state of the economy and most independent forecasts are looking at quite an anemic recovery. Now, what that tends to mean for the office market is a further bifurcation, more polarisation of the players that are involved. So I think you'll see some guys that'll be playing off the front foot And those people will be those that look to pre-leasing activity, taking advantage of a a more uncertain economic climate. And I think there'll be those that play a more defensive position in the office market over the next 12 months. And I think those that pre-lease will be benefiting from taking advantage of a lack of available space that we think will be part of the picture over the next five years. Thanks, Rob. That's a really a good outlook just on this sort of macro view. Flora, just drawing on your ESG expertise, I mentioned um, outdated real estate just a second ago. I mean, what do you think will be the big story next year for UK property and net zero? I think it's really that piece around retrofit and refurbishment as an absolute key theme in front of mind for investors and landlords. In our recent survey, 58% of property investors are looking for sort of bad performing in terms of some ESG credentials in order to upgrade. So looking to retrofit, repurpose, refurbish, whatever that may be. So I think that's going to be a key theme. But linked to that is a focus on embodied carbon, which I think is going to start coming into the forefront of minds a lot more. Because as we look to decarbonize the grid, so run completely on renewable energy, which I know is some way out, but any building that is electrified will see operational emissions fall. So there's going to be start to thinking about 
a lot more about the embodied carbon side of things. So that's in in the building materials. And we're already seeing it coming through in sort of planning and uh, that retrofit first approach. So I think that, again, is going to come to the fore. So we've talked about all the good stuff, but of course, I'm sure you've all got a few risks up your sleeves for next year as well. Shabab, do you want to kick this one off in terms of risks for commercial next year? Well, I think the risks are quite similar to the opportunities in the London office market. That really relates to the redevelopment of much of the office stock that doesn't quite meet the environmental and social governance standards that um, the best-in-class offices currently display. So there's rising demand for better quality offices, and currently the office market can't provide that that best-in-class office kit. So I think that's the risk that we've got this high level of demand for better quality offices, but the market's not quite able to deliver. So that leads to rental growth, um, which is great for landlords, but not necessarily good for occupiers. And Tom, are you saying something similar in, in UK residential? Obviously, supply is always a, is an issue, but um, as the sort of key risk, what would you point to? As I say, the economic headlines, I would expect to start to calm down next year. However, the political headlines, I think, are going to, well, the temperature is certainly going to rise. Um, You're going to hear an awful lot from the two main parties about how many hundreds of thousands of homes they're going to build as though they magically had uh, an element of control over over that. I think generally, you know, the housing market is no exception, don't like uncertainty. The market tends to stutter a little bit in the run-up to general elections, so you might expect to see transactions you know come off a little bit um depends when the election's called um it depends how what the government's done to sort of inject the feel-good factor into the economy before then in terms of its budget uh, and a potential autumn statement next year as well depending on when the government uh, decides to go to the country and depending on the outcome of course i think there could be risks for probably prime markets more than main street markets around measures such as you know looking at the non-dom regime looking at you know, stamp duty for overseas buyers, even things like VAT on school fees, all of, all, of this, all of this sort of thing I think could start to squeeze demand potentially a little bit in higher value markets. So there, there are risks next year, but I think to sort of contrast with where we've come from, I think most of those risks are going to be political while the economic picture is going to settle down. And that's probably the way around that you'd want it. But I think um, that, that's, I think, the division to keep an eye on next year. And do you have any views as to how soon into the year economic data may improve and how soon that will be to sort of feed through into the markets? Obviously, we have already seen quite a climb down in mortgage rates. So I I presume that could only continue. Yes, I think that that will continue. The Bank of England still has a 2% inflation target. So I still think it's going to be quite vigilant. Inflation coming under now under 5%. I think these kind of milestones psychologically are are quite important. And so when we do see five-year fixed rates come under four and a half, you know, and potentially still work their way down, that will all have a, a, an impact on sentiment. I think it's really sentiment at the moment that is the issue for the market. It's not identifiably covid or the mini budget. It's a it's a host of reasons at the moment why I think buyers and sellers are hesitating. And I do think actually over the last week or so, there's a sense that we're just starting to come out of the other side of it as inflation falls below five percent, as the Bank of England holds, you know, for two successive meetings um, where, where the interest rate is, speculation around when the first rate cut may start to come. Gradually, I think that picture is going to start to improve. Gradually, I think sentiment is going to improve. And that's why I initially said a spring market is is much more likely than what happened this year, which is a non-existent autumn market, those two periods of the year being the busiest typically for the market. So, yes, I think things are improving and I think they will continue to improve economically 
um, at least uh, into 2024. Okay, so the bigger threat is political here for you. And uh, Flora, would you echo that in terms of for ESG? Obviously, ESG is a, basically an existential threat of its own, isn't it, really? But in terms of next year, would you say that the run-up to the election, is that cause for concern at all for ESG investors? I think one of the uh, the biggest risk is that lack of clarity from government in terms of what the regulatory landscape will look like. I mean, we've spoken so much about the minimum energy efficiency standards, which they'd originally consulted on back in 2021 to bring in EPCC minimum by 2027 and B minimum by 2030. However, when they responded to the Climate Change Committee report back in October, they recognised that those timelines might need to shift and that they'd publish more information in due course. But we have no clarity around what that looks like and within general election, are, are they going to be willing to sort of push that forward or, or delay it? There's just a lot of uncertainty around what that regulation looks like. And I think that's a huge risk for the commercial market. Excellent. Thank you all so much. Really great to get your perspective. So it sounds like we, we could be in for a better year for UK residential. But um, Tom, as you say, there are political risks out there with an election coming up. And that could also have some influence on the prime market as well, in particular, Shabab clearly offers opportunities for the bold, but as you say, stock is a bit limited. And Flora there just rounding up the potential uncertainty for ESG, particularly around government policy. We've seen that change so frequently. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all of that pans out. Thank you all very much for joining me. Thanks uh, to Tom, Shabab and Flora. Thanks, Anna. Thank you, Anna. Thanks, Anna. So we've heard about the UK outlook for next year. We'll now take a global perspective and I'm going to be speaking to our global head of research, Liam Bailey, head of UK commercial, Will Matthews, and our head of global residential, Kate Everett-Allen. Hi, Liam, Kate and Will. Hi, Anna. Hi, Anna. Hello there. So, Kate, I'll come to you first on this one. What would you say is your top prediction for global residential next year? When the recovery comes, I think it's likely to be relatively quick. And now that obviously comes with all the usual caveats. It's going to be nuanced, both in terms of geographies and sectors. But I think mainstream markets certainly have more pain to come in 2024 as households come off sort of fixed rate deals and affordability for first time buyers worsens. As I mentioned, it will be nuanced. I think prime markets will be better insulated. The economic indicators are starting to improve. The next challenge will be political. We've got a lot of noise coming in 2024, biggest year for elections on record, half the world's population voting. Once that dies down, though, it could be that we start to see a bit of a recovery taking place across global mainstream residential markets. So, well, in terms of outlook for the commercial real estate sector next year, what's your top prediction? Well, we think globally commercial real estate investment is going to start to recover next year. There's probably at least three reasons for that. So firstly, more borrowers will unfortunately struggle to refinance loans and they'll be forced to sell, bring buildings to market. Secondly, we also think interest rates will start to fall, at least in some countries, and and that will make borrowing cheaper. But also, importantly, it will give greater confidence to investors when they're thinking about those future exit values in, in five years' time or whatever the time frame is. And thirdly, although we might not expect a stellar economic performance everywhere either, we might at least have some more clarity. And broadly speaking, we think that will support occupational demand, which actually is already pretty strong in certain parts of the market anyway. And Liam, in terms of, sort of overall outlook across real estate globally, that's a big one for you. <laughs> What's your sort of top prediction? Um, <laughs> can I quickly just touch on 
residential property. So Kate touched on prices, and I, I would agree with everything she, she just said. I think the other big story is, is well, actually, if you, particularly if you're an estate agent, the big story is actually is transactions, not prices. And I think probably next year will be another slow year. I, I don't see the market becoming more liquid rapidly. I, I would say that next year will be no worse than this year and actually could increase in terms of transaction volumes, particularly in the UK, the US and other big markets globally. Um, but probably it's going to be a kind of slow, steady recovery in terms of uh, deal volumes and liquidity of markets. I think just taking a kind of step back and thinking more broadly about real estate, I think there is still, I think in the commercial markets and some of the key markets we cover globally, there's still an element of kind of value discovery, as, as it's politely called, to take place. The UK is probably ahead of the curve. The US probably not not too far behind, but I think other markets will see a more value discovery to come as more trading happens and actually as more liquidity comes into those markets. But I think the biggest issue is going to be a recognition that actually we've had two years, three years of kind of COVID disruption in construction across pretty much all the sectors that we cover. And you have had another year because of the interest rate shift of disruption in terms of delivery of new build offices, logistics, you name it, around the world, there is going to be a clear recognition that there is a big need for more best-in-class stock in just about every sector across commercial and residential markets globally. The question really is how quickly the funds, funders, institutions and developers feel confident to deliver that requirement. Well, maybe you can jump in here uh, in terms of key risks say the secondary office market, obviously, there's always sort of quite a few headlines around that. Would you say that next year will be quite a sort of pressure point for the secondary office market? Well, that's right. We are seeing in lots of different countries around the world in office markets, we're seeing a very big divide between the performance of the better or the best quality stock, which is, you know, often still very much in demand from both occupiers, tenants and and investors versus that poorer quality stock, which is is in much less demand for, for various reasons. So I think that that disparity is going to widen next year. But eventually, that will mean that some people will be able to step in, pick up those poorer quality offices at a discount, and in theory, improve them or repurpose them to bring them back to something that's more useful and more valuable. Brilliant. Listen, thank you all so much. Really good to hear about what sounds like it's going to be a slow year, but no worse than this year. A lot of value discovery, obviously all eyes on interest rates and how quickly those come down. And indeed, if, if of course they are cut and how quickly investors feel confident to move and buy real estate. So thank you very much for joining me, Liam, Will and Kate. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. So for more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note, which goes out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. See our show notes for more details. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and thank you for listening to this week's Intelligence Talks.